Hello and welcome to another episode of Sunpark's podcast. My name is Pokala Lebea. In this edition of Sunpark's podcast, we took part in a media engagement organized by Sunpark's following the much-publicized escape of five lions believed to be from the Kruger National Park. South African National Parks invited members of the media to a media engagement with Sun Park scientist Danny Pinar, who gave a full briefing from a scientist or animal behavior perspective. The briefing touched on the following. How the animals might have escaped. How often does this happen? Are the lions likely to escape again? What danger do they pose to the public? And does Sun Parks compensate citizens affected by the escaped animals? The scientist Danny Pinar also took questions from members of the media. Colleagues, good morning and uh, welcome to the South African National Parks uh, Head Office. Uh, this media engagement, it's really after, you know, quite an extensive search of, uh, of five lions that have, uh, you know, decided to leave the Kruger National Park about a week ago. And on my left, I've got um, Mr. Danny Pinar. Danny Pinar is, is one of our top scientists at South African National Parks. His uh, title is uh, Managing Executive uh, for Conservation Services. Acting. He is uh, on an acting capacity at the moment. But uh, he's also the head of um, scientific services in the Kruger National Park. So he's been uh, living in the Kruger National Park for many years. He actually grew up in the Kruger National Park and also worked, is also working there. <coughs> and he's the best person to uh, respond to issues around animal behavior. And uh, on the other side of Danny is Mr. Ike Parsa, who is the media specialist for South African National Parks. He was on the ground uh, last week uh, when this, uh, you know, when we were searching for, for the lions. <laughs> so, um, Danny will start, you know, with an introduction, you know, to, to actually give us a rundown in terms of the um, issues around animal behavior. Uh, we'll answer questions in terms of how did they escape, the possibilities of how they're escaping and if animals do escape often. Uh, we'll also talk about compensation issues, particularly um, you know, if, if these animals have uh, affected human lives or even uh, you know, their uh, crops or whatever the case may be. So without any further ado, I don't know, Bra Ike, if you want to uh, say anything a word or two. Before we give Danny, um, we'll also take questions and one of them. Now, I think uh, it's just to clarify some of the things because um, when we are sitting in our offices, you know, there are a lot of dynamics that happen in the field, and some of the experts, that's why we ask Danny to come through so that uh, they demystify some of the perceptions that people have around uh, animal behavior. And we know that uh, it is a big problem when you have uh, um, a park as big as the Kruger National Park and you have communities around it. Uh, there's always likely to be that uh, human and wildlife conflict, uh, but we try and manage it as best as we can. Danny? Thanks, uh, colleagues. Um, morning, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I. Uh, well, it's firstly, it's fairly intimidating sitting here in front of all of you guys with all these things aimed at you and, and uh, all these microphones. But if, if, I, if I speak too softly, please just tell me, because uh, I, I tend to do that according to my wife. So uh, you, I hear it often, so don't feel bad or asking me to repeat something. Now, I can Ray cornered me because I happen to be sitting in head office. That's why they got me and not one of the other predator experts or, or, or guys from, from, from Kruger that actually worked on, on this specific case. But, uh, so yes, let me, I'll try and give you some, some background and certainly willing to take some, some questions afterwards and let's see how it goes. So I'm not exactly sure what you know or don't know and uh, so if there's something that I don't cover, uh, just ask. So firstly, the Kruger Park, as you know, is 
is our largest uh, national park. The perimeter of the Kruger Park, um, just the Kruger Park, not all the other adjacent conservation areas, is a thousand kilometers. Now, a thousand kilometers is far, far. Uh, when I drive from here to the Cape every December, it's a thousand kilometers from Pretoria down to Beaufort West. So uh, that's a that's a that's a long perimeter uh, that people have to. Because often people say, how how is it possible that? Or ask that, how is it possible for animals to go out or people to come in, whether they be poachers or legal immigrants or whatever? Why don't you, the fences and the fences, I mean, we're talking about a thousand kilometers. That's, that's bigger than certain countries. You can't patrol those on a 24-hour basis. And, 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 and maintaining fences in perfect condition is also almost an, 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 an task of impossibility. Because, again, uh, what people don't often understand, because the Kruger Park is so big, uh, 2 million hectares, there's a lot of rivers that flow into and out of and through the Kruger Park. Uh, the five major rivers, which is, of course, the Crocodile River in the south and the Kumati that joins it there at Kumati Port, uh, the Sabi River, uh, the, the Olifants, the Lataba, uh, Levubu and the Limpopo, and there's a number of smaller rivers also and tributaries that come in the, into the park. He's talking about the Nwanetsi and the Timbavati and the Shingwetsi uh, and the Pongol. I mean, there's any number of rivers, and you, what I'm trying to get is you cannot fence a river. It, it, it is not possible to fence a river. So you fence up to the high water marks. And that's it. And some of the smaller tributaries, of course, the guys fence. And the dongas and so on. But when there's, when there's rain and these things come down, those things are taken away or, or just get lifted up or debris accumulates there. So there's many, many areas in a fence around the Kruger Park that are permeable for various types of animals, large and small. Then you also get the situation where you have large animals that break fences, like elephants and hippo and, and so on. And when fences are broken, uh, other animals can go out. And then you get the situation that there's lots of animals that dig pretty well, whether it's warthogs and so on, or artfark, or even, even lions. Uh, trying to keep a lion in with a fence is extremely difficult, because they can get through a pretty small hole. So, 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 just that's just some some um, background on 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 Kruger. Now, the, the lions in Kruger is also in quite interesting because we've been doing some lion research for for a long time, many decades, in fact. And um, in a recent survey that was done in 2015 uh, showed that that lines have actually been increasing over the last 10 years. Um, we currently sit with about 1,800 lines in the Kruger Park, but, but that's not the number that's really important from an ecological perspective, because that 1,800 is made up with a lot of youngsters. Lionesses have a lot of cubs. So at certain times of the year, the number might be higher or not, because cub survival is not constant. Some, some years or seasons they survive, and some years they don't. So the number that's ecologically more important is the number of adult females, and because and, 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 they're more constant over time. And, and the number of adult females have increased as well in Kruger from about uh, 420 uh, 10 years or so ago, to around 600 adult females at the moment. Um, line ecology, really, this is line ecology 101. I'm not a, I'm not a line expert. Um, but so, so you've got the, the line population are spread out sort of fairly evenly throughout the whole of the Kruger Park. Um, you get adult males that, that control a certain area and, 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 and the pride with the females and the youngsters. <clears throat> when, when the youngsters grow up to a certain age, around three years of age, the young males are evicted from the pride. Now, forcibly evicted. So they then have to find a 
a place for them. In the Kruger Park, all the lion habitats are saturated, so those young male lions would be ones that, that would tend to, to go out of the park. Because if they, if they were to stay there, they'd most likely get, be killed. Um, when, when other male coalitions take over a pride, they evict the, <coughs> the, the pride males, it's normally a fairly violent affair, um, the, the, the males that get evicted, they must also find the older, old, older male lines that probably uh, hurt in the fight. They need to now find a place to live as well. And, 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 and old males also tend to go out. And then what the new pride males do, the first thing is they kill the female's cubs. Because if they do that, the females come in heat again, and then the new males can mate with them and, <clears throat> and sire their own offspring. So... Sometimes you also find females with small cubs that leave the park. And uh, so the, 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 the message you would, should have gotten from this is that animals that leave the park are animals that are pretty, lions that are pretty vulnerable. And that's why they, why they leave the park, because the park uh, is a dangerous place for them. Um, just on this topic, uh, often the public seem to have this misconception that um, it's utopia for animals in a in a natural situation, and 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 and, and it's certainly not the human version of what that utopia would be, because uh, life and death is something that is constant in in any conservation area and 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 and, and in every environment, whether human or or animal. I mean, we all get born and we all die. That's the two constants they are. It's uh, it's when and how that's that's uh, that we don't know. Now, all animals in the Kruger Park that die die probably what we would consider a pretty violent death. Um, I don't know if you know what happens when male lions fight or, 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 or lions fight with other younger males. Is they, is they often just bite them here on the on the back, just in front of the pelvis. They they break the the back of the animal and and, and that's it. And then they leave them. So you have these sort of half paralyzed lions in the bush, and uh, yeah, they die a slow death, or they get eaten by hyenas and, and vultures and so on. So one can understand why why these animals would want to find areas that are a little bit safer and that's why they, they tend to leave the park. Are there, are there any questions on, on what we've just what I've just told you? I think. Any <coughs> points of clarity? What else did I have I missed here? Um, what one what one also uh, would often find is that is that different uh, periods uh, might have a positive or a negative influence on lines. We, we expect uh, that the dry cycle that we've just come through um, had a positive effect on a lot of the predator population. So uh, food was easily available, a lot of the animals was pretty weak and, 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 and easy to catch. Um, now that we've gone into a bit of a wet cycle again, well, it's just the first season. We don't know what's going to happen. But you would expect that it, it, lines would start struggling a bit more for, for food. The good times uh, may be over. And think something like cup survival might go down. So, so the line population number in Kruger might, might actually decrease a bit uh, during periods uh, of, of, of uh, lots of rain. Um, but the Adult line population are normally pretty constant. So the 600 females that I spoke about, we don't expect much to much to change there. And then also it's interesting how lines sort of switch prey between these different periods. During uh, these drier periods, they tend to eat a lot of uh, large animals, animals like buffalo, um, which of course are, are, are weak because they lack of food and, they, and, and they're easier to catch. That again 
brings the lines more into contact with uh, the disease called bovine tuberculosis, of which buffalo are the main carrier host in the Kruger Park. Uh, We've over the decades seen that bovine tuberculosis or BTB does not affect the lion population that negatively. It's certainly not a threat of extinction. Um, what you might find is that the age structure might change a bit and the old, older lions uh, uh, might get affected by BTB and, 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 and die, so the whole population structure might, might, might become a bit younger. Although if we, we find odd young animals that die from the disease as well. <clears throat> and this is the other important point uh, that one must consider for the Kruger Park. In the Kruger Park, we talk about uh, managing and looking after systems and populations. The individual animal in the Kruger Park does not count for much. Uh, Whether one lion dies or not, doesn't die, as long as the populations are are intact and and, and doing well, uh, the the species are are safe and, 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 and doing well. And another consideration, and this is, um, I don't know, this is a human trait that one should find a bit strange, is that we, we like for things to, to grow. When you see a graph of anything, whether it's an animal population or finances or things, it's nice when it goes up. We might tolerate it when it sort of stabilizes or fluctuates, but man, we don't, we don't like it when things go down. And, and, and that's, not, that's not how it works. I mean, the populations, no, no population of anything in the world, not even the human population, can keep on growing indefinitely. Things must either bottom out or, or drop and, 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 and follow these cyclical cycles. So population decreases in a place like the Kruger Park is natural. Uh, as long as things don't get to a stage where they threaten to extinction. So so the key point there is individual animals, not so important. Populations in Kruger Park, yeah, that's quite important. Yeah, sure. Say the number's gone up from 400 to 610 years. Why is that? What what, what we've also seen over that period is that a lot of our – other animal populations have gone up, and specifically our buffalo population has gone up, our rhino population, elephant population, so a lot of our larger grazer animals populations have gone up. So not always sure exactly how that links back, back to lions, but certainly there's, there's more prey, and they could have a, these larger animals have a positive influence on the environment as well. Things like, like, like buffalo and rhino create grazing lawns, uh, where they change the grass structure from tall, sort of unpalatable grasses that animals don't actually like to go walk into because I mean, they're, they're a bit more vulnerable there, uh, for predators can hide easier in long grasses, to short, very palatable, tasty grasses that, that benefit animals like um, short grass grazers like zebra and, and wildebeest and so on. So these large grazers have a, play a positive role in the environment, so they might have facilitated the other prey species for lion as well. And, and then, of course, things like the drought certainly played a role. Please, um, can, I, can I just <coughs> ask you to mention your name and uh, who you are representing? Um, uh, Mr. Pinard, Kharapitori is from ENCA. Um, just looking at, you, you spoke about around, around about 1,800 lions in, in the mm. park. On average, how big is a pride, and how many prides? Have you any idea around <coughs> about how many prides there are in there? We, we, we would, but I'll have to get you that info. I don't have it in my head. But the pride numbers can, can, can fluctuate immensely. Um, cause we, we've, seen, we've seen prides of up to 40 lions. Now, now that's not that's not a stable number because because f- far more than half uh, or two thirds of that animals that number would be young young lions. Uh, so there's been a, a couple of females that all had cubs and um, the cubs all survived sort of past the first year or so and that's why you get these huge pride. So pride numbers is 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 is, is, is variable. It could be from a small pride of a. Four or five animals to all the way up to 40. Um, 
Also, the number of adult females in a pride might might also vary. It might vary from 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 a few animals to up, up to ten, and um, and also the the adult male coalition who sort of uh, controls such an area uh, varies from 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 one <coughs> to as high as seven. Now, when you have seven adult males in a coalition, they certainly have a big influence in the lion society in an area because they basically rule the roost and, and they do what they want and they they kill and take over because there's, there's nobody that can compete with them and, 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 and that sort of infrequent upheavals that you see that might also affect lion movements uh, throughout the park but also out of the park yeah. <coughs> Yes, sir. Hi, I'm Don Mayer from Pretoria. You, you, you talked about the, um, the amount of lion in the park and <coughs> lion being evicted from their prides and um, seeking other places mm. because they are vulnerable. Um, do you think this would be a more regular occurrence? Is there enough space for the amount of lion and the amount of, of, of prides within the, the Kruger National Park? Um, or are we going to have lion looking for space outside the park more often? We, we, we've also always had animals leave the park. Um, is this is certainly not a new phenomenon. Uh, this last specific case got attention because it was quite visible. They were next to the, to the N4 from what I understand. Now, um, here I also have to say that when these animals go out, each of these cases are, are dealt with on merit. So our, uh, we've got a good understanding and MOUs with our provincial conservation colleagues who, who, who manage the areas outside of the park, and, and they get in contact with the park rangers. They go out and they investigate the situation, and, they, and then they deal with that case on its merit. Now, in this specific one, I spoke to the... Uh, the Kruger Ranger at, at Crocodile uh, Bridge, uh, Niels van Beek, and he said it was quite clear that these lines, I mean, firstly, they were Kruger lines, but also the way they reacted, they were very used to, to tourists and, 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 and vehicles. They were lying there apparently next to the in fort, the people which, which would, could just as being according in their head, the road between Skukuza and Loisabi, I guess. Um, and, and so they did not behave like an animal who's been out of the park for a while, who's been catching livestock and who's been harassed and who are secretive and hiding away and, and, and so on. So in that case, the decision was taken to try and move them back into the Kruger Park. And because they were fairly tame, uh, also made it easier for the guys to actually uh, uh, catch them because... Uh, Trying to, to capture lions is difficult at, at best. Trying to capture a lion that has been persecuted for a while or, or, or feels threatened, man, that's, that's extremely difficult and, 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 and very dangerous. And, um, and people say, why don't you chase them back? I mean, you all have heard the saying how, how it's as difficult as herding cats. No, yeah, lion, lion is a cat. You don't, you don't hurt them anyway. Um, so the fact that they managed to, 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 to get four out of the five of these lines was probably that specific reason. And what Niels told me, he thinks these lines were not evicted or, 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 or left the park because they were feeling threatened in any way. Uh, the, he says he thinks they were just wandering around and uh, because the rivers are so low at the moment, they sort of accidentally or inquisitively got out. Um, and that's why they were they were taken back because they were not felt that these animals are a threat to uh, 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 the public outside or that they are habitual offenders or anything like that. So, so nobody left the gate open. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's, they, 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 they they walked across the Crocodile River and out there at the at the, at the Kumati River and um, the. Uh, um, what, what, what the guys also do is they often when lines are captured and the, the first 
what they first try and do is, 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 is see, look at the situation, as I said, is this a, a real problem, damage-causing animal that has been out for a long time, killing lots of livestock, or is it an animal that's recent out, or it's a female with cubs, try and catch them, bring them back into the park, and the guys also try and mark them um, in a number of ways, whether it's with uh, microchips or hair clippings or, or spray paint or whatever, so that they know when they when they go out again uh, if, if, if this is the second or third time that these animals have, have gone out. Do we, know, do we know the age of the lion? Uh, what, what I understand is they were sort of were young, they were five young males all year around four or five years of, of, of age. That's what I, what I got. So. Um, what happens to habitual offenders? They, 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 they get put down. Because there's, not, there's nothing else you can do with them. Um, you, uh, I don't follow social media, but my colleagues <coughs> here, uh, next to me sort of tell me now and then about some things that, that, that was said. So I, 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 I saw some emails, people were very emotional, writing from all over the world. Lions under threat in Africa, please don't kill the Kruger lions. I mean... The Kruger lion population is an extremely important lion population. As I said, we've got 600 adult females and 1,800 animals. Uh, so in terms of size, it's important. But the Kruger lions mean nothing for lions that are going extinct in North or West or East Africa. This it means nothing. That Those lions are under threat because of uh, lack of habitat, uh, lack of prey and probably because of might even unscrupulous hunting practices where people lure lions out of conservation areas. Uh, so saving lions in Kruger Park or saving a lion's life in the Kruger Park is not going to help the lions in the rest of Africa. It, it can't. Uh, our lions are also uh, carry certain in, uh, uh, diseases uh, like bovine tuberculosis, so we can't even move our lines around. Uh, our lines can only move in the greater, great Limpopo Transfrontier Park area. Uh, we can't take them anywhere else. Okay. Any other questions, please? Okay, let's uh, let, don't, do not monopolize the briefing. <laughs> <laughs> let's take you, man. We'll yeah, come thank you. Um, there were five lions, four. Back in, where's the, where's the fifth? Do they know? Just say that again. The fifth lion. The fifth lion. Oh, yeah. It, it, no, they don't know exactly, but it's it's likely that he would have just walked back. Because um, where they were on the N4, is close to the uh, uh, Kumati River, that's that's literally a stone throw from, from the Kruger Park fence. So, um, so he probably just walked back because he might have heard his mates roaring on the inside and, and so in all likelihood he, he, he found his way back. We, we have been receiving false alarms <coughs> colleagues that have spotted this fifth lion. Uh, this morning again we received false, yeah. false alarm. Um, so until such time that we have a positive sighting and confirmation from the rangers, we will be sending out information uh, that we have found the fifth lion. Um, just um, at this stage, um, any any um, livestock that they that they did kill, and what is the what is the Kruger's policy on um, uh, reimbursing <coughs> those stock? There, there has been a confirmation that uh, one cow was killed. <laughs> But we do have a policy, you know, to compensate, um, you know, with a policy that is called the damage-causing animal policy. If uh, an owner of an animal can positively uh, you know, state that this was uh, an animal that fell victim to, to an animal that came from, from Kruger, we certainly compensate. We, um, as, as Ray said, yes, we have, do have that, that, that process, and um, it is... Um, it is, it is mostly done out of uh, humanitarian reasons and good neighborly 
ness uh, because we know that, I mean, know that these animals come from Kruger. It's 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 a Kruger line, and and, and these people are our neighbours. So and they're going to stay our neighbours, and Kruger's going to stay there. <coughs> so we have to we have to have good uh, relationship with each other. Otherwise, it's the Kruger Park survival might not might be in jeopardy. Um, so we have this process where we where we compensate people uh, for losses, but there's a there's a very strict process that the guys have to follow. Um, first, something like uh, like responsible herding is is, is is something that that's encouraged, and the guys must 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 do. Um, they, they, they there needs to be an incident report that's sent with with photographs. Uh, ownership of the of of the livestock must be must be verified by by the chief. Uh, um, and also, uh, our uh, conservation colleagues, whether uh, provincial or, or Kruger, go out and investigate these cases. And if all of these things are are fine, uh, there is a there is a, a payment scale for various types of livestock uh, that we pay. Now, now. In terms of scale of this, because this might be the next question, so so because I mean, people have discussed this with me and said, but you, why are you doing that? You can't. You're going to bankrupt the Kruger Park, and if you do that, as if this is happening at that scale. The scale is not not big. Uh, we we probably talk in the region of of I don't know 20, 20 incidences a year. Uh, and and an amount of around four hundred thousand rand per year that we at most that we would uh, pay uh, for compensation for um, livestock related um, losses. And if you think about the Kruger Park, the size of it, the budget, the building relationships with our neighbours, that is nothing. That is that is that is really a very very small amount. Um, so so it is it is it is in people's heads. It's always been a big issue. When we started doing it and 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 looking at what it what it actually cost, we saw it is it is not a big big amount of money. But the positive outflow of that. Is sort of almost immeasurable because it really just changed the relationships between us and our neighbours, who who happen to be some of the poorest of the poor people in South Africa, uh, living next to the Kruger Park. It just changed the situation uh, completely, uh, and because they know now, Kruger are also concerned about their well-being, and uh, um, we we we're trying to assist, and 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 and, and that is really what what. What, what is important. Okay. Yes, ma'am? This is Jean from Times Media. I just wanted to know what kind of danger do these animals or lions <coughs> specific pose to the public? It would depend very much on the situation, I would think. Um, uh, was predators normally avoid people. I mean, that's just what they what they do. They don't. Uh, we're not part of the normal prey. So lions don't go around hunting people. I mean, there's lots of people walking around in the Kruger Park on a daily basis, and, and, and when you find a lion during daytime, this immediate reaction is to run away. Um, that's why we actually... Uh, when, when we, what we tell tourists doing game viewing in the Kruger Park, when you, because the lines lie next to the road, when you stop next to a line or close to a line, don't stick your head out of your sunroof or out of your window, because then the lines see the human silhouette, and the immediate reaction is they run away. So you chase the animal away from the road, and, and people can't see it. Um, at night, though, uh, 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 lines' uh, behavior changes a bit, and, 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 and they're not as scared as during daytime. Very few people walk around at night in the bush, so uh, that's uh, so. It's not the situations there where people would meet lions at night on foot in the bush are, I would think, very few. Now, where where a situation could happen where people engage with lions is when livestock has been killed, I guess, and 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 people try and chase the lions away off the carcass so that 
they can get the carcass. Um, or try and chase the lions away uh, or out of the area. Uh, that could lead to a situation where you have a confrontation between uh, humans and lions. But, but uh, cases of lions killing people outside of the Kruger Park, I mean, it is, I can't think of one off the top of my head, and, 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 and one that I remember now sort of involved a leopard, and that was also because people actually sort of attacked the leopard, and, uh, and of course, yeah, then you, then you would find people getting injured. Or the other situation would be where people uh, set a snare for the lion, and the lion is snared, and, uh, and, and, and then, of course, then that animal would not be, be happy, and you would attack if a person come close to a snared lion, you would be attacked immediately. And that's why we're trying to tell people, don't take the law in your own hands. Immediately notify the authorities and, um, and let them respond. And, 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 and with the compensation policy, because people know that they will be compensated, they don't have to actually go and chase the lions around themselves anymore to, uh, to protect them from livestock. Um, also, I think it's common knowledge that they tell you when you meet a large predator in the felt and you sort of see each other sort of simultaneously, the last thing you should do is run. Because um, that's just instinct. You can see when you play with your cat in your house, when you pull something away from it, it sort of in instinctive chases it. So, so don't run. Or, or if you if you more than one, make sure you run faster than your friend. That's a that's a that's a, that's a joke. Don't 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 do that because your friend might your friend might just be standing still and the lion might chase you. So 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 don't run. Uh, uh, just keep the eye on the animal and really try and back back away very slowly. And I've not hit a, a hand there. My question is related to the third line. Since they um, move in pride or groups, yes. um, is it possible that it might have tried to make its way back to its pride, or can they survive on their own? I'm, I'm sure you, they would find his way back to the pride, because the, the, the area where he went out was obviously part of the range that these lines frequented. I mean, it just has to be, it can't be anything else. So, so, so if he goes back in, in there where he went out, the other lines were taken inside and also released in the area, in the same area. So lines move around in the area, they, they, they leave scent uh, and, they, and, they, and they communicate. Uh, um, so animals finding each other in the bush, which might be impossible for, a, for, for humans to do, it's not a problem for them. So they would really find each other quite easily. Not at you, ma'am, and you? Esther Mayer Janssen from Marula Media. I just want to know, on a point of clarity, hmm. um, if I look at the compensation that you've paid out and some of your previous comments, um, it does happen that, that alliance or animals escape from the park and leave the park sometimes. But on a point of clarity, <coughs> I want to know, um, lions specifically, how often does it happen that they leave the park? Do you have any possible statistics around that? I, I'm sure one, one, one could find those uh, statistics, but it, it, it would be extremely variable. It would, it would vary from season to season, and it would vary from, from year to year. So off the top of my head, I would just guess maybe between 10 and maybe 20 cases that lions leave the park. Now, now the, the, generally, the public don't know about it because they're not seen. I mean, lions, it's not every lion that behave like these ones that are next to the N4 and, and they're used to cars where they're just lying there and people are seeing them. These other ones are in, in far more remote areas and they go out and they, and they come back and people just never know about it. Now, now it comes back to what I said, the Kruger National Park not being, uh, the boundary not being impenetrable. And, and I would not want the Kruger Park boundary to be impenetrable because now consider this. Um, 
you have a terrestrial reserve, like the Kruger Park, but you also have marine reserves. Now, no, when marine reserves are very important and necessary, and they play also a really important role for the surrounding areas, because resources are protected in the reserve, and they move out of the reserve where people can utilize them and they can and, 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 and recolonize areas and, and so on. Yet when we come to terrestrial reserves, people in our own age say, no, golly, nothing, nothing must go in or out. And, and that just, that's just silly. That just, that just restricts the functioning of the terrestrial system immensely and the potential benefits that could flow from a terrestrial conservation system. Why, I'll ask you the question, why is it that when a lion goes out, like these ones that across the Crocodile River, it's called a problem animal or a damage-causing animal, yet when the same animal goes out between the Sabi and the Olifants River on the western boundary, goes out of the Kruger Park, you don't even know about it. Because that line goes into the private game reserves. And now it's not a problem animal, now it's a benefit. Because ownership, there's ownership that those people have. Part of the problems I think we sit with resources around national parks, centers around ownership. A lot of these communal areas there is no ownership of the resources, potential resources. It, the ownership vests in the state. So, uh, Sabi Sands or Tamavati, they can decide what they want to do with their animals. And we can manage the system jointly and, 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 and everybody and the, and the environment benefits from, from this larger system being more integrated. Yet, just north of that, it's a problem animal. And, and if we could start changing that situation, I think the whole system, socio-ecological system, I'm talking about animals, and because we, this is the other thing that humans somehow find difficult to understand. We're just as much part of this natural system as animals are. We just think we somehow above it. But when things go wrong, when the water, when the water gets polluted, we're just as affected as, as any impala and so on. So we need to find ways to make the broader socio-ecological system function better. And if we could work a way that it functions more like marine uh, conservation areas, I think we're sort of on a better trajectory. Okay, I've noted two more questions this side. And one from Bill. <coughs> I'd just like to know whether recaptured lions have been kept, or have they just been released into the natural habitat? No, we, 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 we don't keep them. We, 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 we release them back. Because uh, the only reason you would want to keep lions is for, I don't know, if you wanted to do some research or on them or for disease surveillance reasons. So, uh, so no, animals that are moved, they're all back. So now you finish the old. I just wanted to know, um, basically she asked my question, if they, what happened to them, I, don't, I didn't know where they are. And what is basically stopping them from doing the same? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing is stopping them from doing the same. What, what we have done, there are certain areas of Kruger that are sort of more historic. Historic records have shown animals sort of tend to go out there more. There more. But it's more linked to the, to the complaints from damage-causing animals. So these are areas that are, that are linked to neighboring communities. It's certainly not areas that are linked to private game reserves. And, and in these areas, what, what's happened, the, the, the western boundary fence of the Kruger Park has been upgraded. Now, the western boundary fence, you must also understand, is actually a disease control fence. It's a fence that's put up by the Department of Agriculture and it's managed by the state veterinary authorities uh, and it's specifically to control uh, important livestock diseases like foot and mouth and brucellosis and bovine tuberculosis. So, so they're responsible for the fence and the fence maintenance and we assist here and there. The western boundary fences in certain areas have been, or the majority of the western boundary fences have been upgraded and we've got 
in these hotspot areas, which is here, sort of between the Sabi and the and the, and the Crocodile River, Stolzneck, Toriskop area, up north in the Shangoni area, and further up north in the Makuya area, um, there's also environmental monitors in place that patrol the fence f uh, on a daily basis and um, it sort of uh, uh, um, report fence problems so that it can be fixed quicker. And all of that has helped to, 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 to reduce the number of animals that go out. But we will never make the Kruger Park a cage. We cannot. Because and, 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 and even if we tried we would not be able to do it. Even if we spend millions of rands to put in the highest sort of electricity type fence that we can, they would still go out. Because all you need to do is for an elephant to break the fence at night or a hippo to walk out and there's a hole at night and, and lions can go out there. So trying to make the Kruger Park impenetrable is impossible. And the amount of money and time and effort you would spend in doing that would be completely counterproductive. And the, and the negative impact on the system would be, would be huge because electric fences are not friendly to most animals. If you, if you look at the work that uh, people like WWF have done around the impact of electric fencing and game farms around South Africa, I mean, it's huge. Uh, things like tortoises and pangolins and, 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 and pythons and so many, many, many small animals just gets completely taken out and the population almost gets wiped out by electric fences. So I would hate a situation where we are, for some reason, forced to uh, try and fence the Kruger Park with electric fences. Just one more, Ray. With the massive, the belangstelling, but the interest in this, not just media, you can see the massive media from the public as well. What has St. Paul's learned, or even with Sylvester, the lone line that escaped from the Karua, what has St. Paul's learned? We've learned not to name the animals. Besides that, right, I don't know if you named him or us, we named him. I think an important thing is that there needs to be more understanding of how these systems work. Now, the only way one can do that is if there's more communication around these issues and more, more honest communication, not sensational communication, like taking something that I've said now completely out of context, saying the next line that leaves the Kruger Park will be shot kind of thing. Because, um, uh, yes, I, I explained previously how individ the individual animal does not matter in, 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 in the Kruger Park con context. So, I think, I think us and the media has got a huge responsibility to try and educate the general public around issues of conservation. Now, what, what, I, what I've told in other forums, told the public, what I, would, I would hate a situation where we are seeing sand parks or the provincial conservation areas are seen as the people that are responsible for conservation in the country and because we, we, we manage a fraction of, a, of, a, of, of, the, of, of, of the land mass, not even talking about the, about the marine areas of, of, of South Africa. I don't know what we do, probably less than 10% are under formal conservation um, national or provincial reserves. The rest of the, of, the, of the land is out there and there's a lot of resources there. Uh, a, a, a lot of natural resources occur on extensive livestock farms. I mean, places like the Karoo. Yes, there's sheep there, but there's a lot of other natural resources there. So if, 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 we, if we're trying to create a system where only the national parks and provincial reserves are responsible for managing natural resources, we're going to lose 90% of the resources in South Africa. And, and, and that's what's happening in a lot of countries up north. Um, when they talk about a lot of these populations going down, 
those population losses are outside of the national parks. Now, the question you should ask is why? Why is it happening? And I think that's a very interesting question. Why is it happening? Why, why in Kenya are, are, there used to be 10, 20 years ago, there used to be many, many animals that occurred in these sort of open areas between national parks, and now they're just about all gone. And in many other countries, it's the same. A simple reason could be is that those animals have got no value for the people that live out there because they don't own them, they've got no value, they've only got a negative impact because they compete with their livestock and they eat their livestock. Now, if you create a situation like that, I can tell you what's going to happen. Everything outside of the protected areas will be lost. And that cannot be a good situation for, for us and for any other country. I mean, there's leopards running around the outskirts of Pretoria, man. So that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Lots of leopards over over the whole of South Africa and certainly up here in these Machalisburgs and everywhere. That's not even close to an, to a protected area. Uh, it, they're not catching people in their dozens or anything. They just they 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 they're finding their niche and they and they're living there. We can live together with these. Uh, natural resources. We can, and we can use them responsibly without sort of wiping them out. But the systems need to be put in place that allows us to do that. Okay, colleagues, I'm going to take uh, the last uh, round of questions <coughs> and to then entertain one-on-ones. <coughs> the absence of such <laughs> uh, we will entertain one-on-ones. I think we've got coffee and some light refreshments at the back for those who would not take one-on-ones. But thank you very much for honoring our invitation. You can see that the interest is huge. And uh, we'll continue looking for the last uh, animal. <laughs>